0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us today as we discuss the growing prevalence of diabetes in the United States and its associated cardiovascular comorbidities. My name is Dr. Eden Miller. I'm a family practice physician, a diabetologist at High Lakes Healthcare in Bend, Oregon.
1: And I'm Dr. James O'Keefe, a cardiologist practicing at the St. Luke's Mid-America Heart Institute. And I'm very excited to discuss this very timely topic and share my own perspectives. This
0: podcast episode is a presentation supported by and created on behalf of Behringer Ingelheim Pharmaceuticals Incorporated and Lilly USA LLC. The podcast presentation content has been reviewed for consistency with FDA guidelines and is not approved for continuing medical
1: education credit. Comorbidities such as hypertension, obesity, and hyperlipidemia often present in patients with type 2 diabetes, and these complications can exacerbate each other's pathogenicity.
0: So what do the statistics say about type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular risk factors?
1: The data show that these risk factors are quite prevalent in patients with type 2 diabetes, with hypertension occurring in as many as 82%, 78% of patients had obesity or were overweight, And 77% had hyperlipidemia. Notably, almost 90% of patients with diabetes had two or more of these risk factors. This is important because multiple comorbidities influence each other and are ultimately additive for risk of CV events.
0: We will now review how current treatment recommendations and guidelines apply to the management of someone with type 2 diabetes by way of a hypothetical patient case. Following that, we will also provide a review of resources available to primary care practitioners and patients. Let's start by discussing our hypothetical patient. Her name is Patricia, and she is a 62-year-old woman who needs a new primary care provider because of a recent move. She is visiting today due to some sinusitis. Patricia was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes seven years ago. Patricia is the type of patient I see in my practice all the time. She is currently on a biguanide and has hypertension. Her laboratory values show that her fasting glucose is within the higher range of normal, and her A1c is close to target. However, even though her A1c is close to target, A1c is not the only factor we need to consider. Her triglyceride levels are elevated, and she is showing symptoms of intermittent claudication. For the past few years, Patricia has complained of pain in her right calf whenever she walks more than five minutes, but there is no pain at rest. Her ankle brachial index was less than 0.9. To reiterate, identification of these comorbidities should be taken into account when preparing an individualized and patient-centered treatment plan for Patricia.
1: We need to think about the effects of these diseases longitudinally. Just as cardiovascular risk starts stacking up with multiple comorbidities, so too does it increase as the duration with diabetes increases. That relationship is linear, with no sign of slowing even at the three decade mark. This only reinforces the idea we mentioned before, that early identification of cardiovascular risk factors and simply recognizing diabetes itself as early as possible is paramount.
0: Now, for patients with diabetes who survive cardiovascular diseases or events, what is their
1: outlook, Dr. O'Keefe? As it turns out, cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of hospitalization in patients with diabetes. In 2016, 22%, or approximately 1.7 million, of the total hospitalizations of adult patients with diabetes were due to cardiovascular disease, including ischemic heart disease and stroke.
0: Notably, beyond cardiovascular disease, additional risk factors for hospitalizations, including lower extremity amputation, hyperglycemic crisis, and hypoglycemia, further highlighting the burden that diabetes creates for patients. As healthcare professionals, we need to identify and recognize these cardiovascular risk factors in people with type 2 diabetes as early as possible. The risk of coronary heart disease, heart attack, or any heart condition is much higher in patients with diabetes. Again, this shows how these different diseases impact and exacerbate each other.
1: And predictably, these cardiac events are not without severe consequences, as adults with diabetes are two to four times more likely to die from cardiovascular disease than those without diabetes. Now, we do want to discuss how these data influenced professional society guidelines and medical practice. Dr. Miller.
0: The 2021 American Diabetes Association treatment algorithm recommends that treatment decisions be based on comorbidities and individual patient characteristics with a focus on risk for atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease or ASCVD. Independent of ASCVD risk, first-line therapy for patients with type 2 diabetes is rather universal, comprising comprehensive lifestyle changes and a biguanide treatment. Before considering second-line therapy, this question must be asked. Does the patient have indicators of high cardiovascular risk or establish ASCVD? If the answer is no, and the patient is above their target A1C, treatment decisions should be based on the needs to minimize hypoglycemia, the need to minimize weight gain, or the need to promote weight loss. Of course, financial consideration may also come into play when considering a treatment plan. Now, if the answer is yes, and the patient does have established cardiovascular disease, treatment intensification should proceed independently of baseline A1C or target A1C or by guanide treatment. Whereas A1C had previously been used as a benchmark for treatment consideration, cardiovascular risk is now something that takes precedence and priority. This marks a change from the 2019 American Diabetes Association treatment algorithm, which recommended adding an agent only when the patient's A1C was above target. For patients in whom ASCVD predominates, a GLP-1 receptor agonist with proven cardiovascular benefit or an SGLT2 inhibitor with a proven cardiovascular benefit is recommended.
1: Some of you may know this already, but the American Diabetes Association Standards of Care provide the latest and comprehensive, evidence-based recommendations for managing diabetes. The Standards of Care is a living document with notable updates incorporated throughout the year based on newly available data. The American
0: Diabetes Association has emphasized that the main goal of caring for patients with type 2 diabetes are to prevent complications and optimize quality of life. First, we start with an assessment of key patient characteristics, such as lifestyle and what comorbidities they might have. It's essential to consider the patient's clinical characteristics, of course, but we're also considering other issues, such as their motivation and any factors relating to their culture or socioeconomic status. Then, we consider specific factors that impact treatment choice. These might include individual A1C targets, complexity of the regimen, and selecting a regimen that maximizes adherence. During this process, it's of course very important to share decision-making with the patient to create a management plan. This equates to educating the patient, seeking his or her preferences, and setting goals. Then it is time to align with the patient and implement that plan. During the course of treatment, monitoring the patient's clinical profile on an ongoing basis is essential, and one must provide the support necessary to keep the patient on the right track. Now, treatment plans are dynamic, of course. One should always be consulting with the patient on the updated management plans to be reviewed and have a consensus between primary care provider and patient.
1: I want to return to something you said at the outset Dr. Miller about patient characteristics to highlight something very important and very relevant to the topic at hand. That is assessing patients comorbidities. The American Diabetes Association guidelines list examples such as atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Comorbidities are a key determining factor in the current treatment algorithm for type 2 diabetes. So we have shared with you here very brief summaries of a few key points from the American Diabetes Association.
0: And of course, you are also encouraged to access the full guidelines online to learn more and refer to them whenever you encounter a patient like Patricia. There are some other resources we want to tell you about as well. To facilitate clinical decision-making, the American Diabetes Association has created a user-friendly and free app that you can download onto your mobile phone. I should point out that I actually have this on my phone and I use it. This app puts all the important information from the standards of medical care at your fingertips, breaking the entire document
1: down into sections. By answering a few brief questions, this app can help walk you through the individualization of A1C goals, and it can also make the treatment algorithm more digestible by presenting you with simple yes-no questions about a patient's characteristics. Medical organizations all around the world recognize the importance of cardiovascular risk in the type 2 diabetes population and prioritize its assessment and management. This is reflected in the American Diabetes Association and many other guidelines and recommendations that now include cardiovascular risk as a key consideration when selecting treatment for patients with type 2 diabetes. We hope that you were able to learn something valuable from this podcast to incorporate in your clinical practice. Thank you again for joining us.